before we kind of share, this is, uh, we've entitled this wonderful thing. It'll come up in a sec. It's just a family chat this morning. Uh, how many of you know, have been around this church long enough to know that um, I have a real adversity to uh, the beginning of the year message because there's a lot of pressure on these messages because I, I know church leaders that literally uh, go on retreat at the end of a year simply to get one word that they will base the rest of the next year on. And I'm just like, it's just too much pressure. I can't have people basing this whole year on a word, let alone a handful of words. So we thought this year we'd, again, we'd just chat about some things we feel like the Lord's encouraging us with, and you can pull some stuff out of what we want to share and, and uh, play it if you like. If not, don't worry about it. It's no pressure. It's only the first Sunday of the year. Um, listen, I, I want to say this uh, to you as, as our church family, as the, the family that Sarah and I are submitted to uh, being a part of, to walking and running alongside, is that I, I do feel that, um, that this year, if I could put any pressure on this year, um, that I would want to remind you and I would want to remind myself that we're building this thing together. There's a, uh, there's a beautiful journey that God uh, throws a body of people on together, uh, and it's called establishing his kingdom. It's called building his church. And we get to display something of who our Father is, something about the incredible nature of the goodness of God, the love of an incredible Father. We get to demonstrate that in how we do family, how we love one another, and ultimately how from this place we go out and we love the city around us. And we want to unpack just um, a couple of things that, some thoughts really, uh, by way of a chat at the beginning of the year. And really, I just wanted to start by, by saying that, that we are, we're building this thing together. Every single one of you has a place in this family. You know, whether you've been here, maybe this is your first time here, you're so, so welcome. If this turns out to be a community, a church, a family that you think, you know, I love this group of people. I think this could be a place that I, I do life with people here. Then, then you're welcome. Come in, jump in, be a part of what God's doing here. It's an amazing adventure. There's highs and lows, but in amongst all of those highs and lows, we have one constant. Well, we have two. We have one constant, a father who loves us and a community that's committed to you. So I'm excited about this year because I... Um, I guess at one level we get to build on everything that God's laid in the foundation and the value system of this community. We get to, you know, I often talk to church leaders. I had a, uh, a church leaders gathering at 7 a.m. on, on uh, Friday morning. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, there is this, there's this urgency to kind of hear fresh vision. And honestly, I, get, I stumble around being able to share fresh vision with church leaders because quite honestly, the vision God's given us it's the thing I can give the rest of my life to. The, the vision that God's given us as a church family, we're not looking for fresh vision. I'm looking for a greater depth, a greater influence, a greater revelation, a greater experience of everything that God's promised us. And, and that's what I can commit to walking alongside you. And that's what we want to do as we, as we build this beautiful family together. And as this family goes on to reach and transform this incredible city that we find ourselves in. So yeah, I think that, that that's the if you want, there's this very simple aim is that the message you hear is actually we're all building this together. It's not, you know, it's not about like it's never in our intention. I don't think it's God's plan either that there are certain people in a church who are the builders and, and so certain leaders or certain staff members or certain people who've been kicking around the block a while build something for other people to come and kind of 
use like that isn't it like we're, we're all supposed to build um, we're all supposed to be in it together and, and so I guess our encouragement and our challenge is actually for even if this is your church family is for that you would and you know so many of you do I know I am totally preaching to the choir in actually just but come and build your bit like come come and play your part there's an amazing picture in um, Nehemiah 3 um, so the context is Nehemiah is a guy who was um, had a really important position in the um, Persian court so the Jews have been exiled um and he was, um, he was a pretty high up official and he heard about basically Jerusalem being in a mess, like the city in disarray, the walls broken down. And he was super grieved by what he heard um, and just challenged and convicted by God to actually go and rebuild. So he asked the king permission and he gets permission to go. And there's, um, there's this crazy chapter in chapter three um, where they've gone back to Jerusalem and, um, and they basically start the rebuilding. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's somewhat repetitive. Um, let me read you the first few verses to give you a flavor. Um, um, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it, set it doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and they put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of... Ha- oh, I was doing so well. Hakos repaired the next section. I can help anytime you no, want. You I'm super good at this kind of I'm thing. I'm a better reader than you. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshizabel. I practiced this this morning. <laughs> made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under the supervisors. Well and done. Round of applause. Thank Come you. on. And so it goes on. It goes on like that. All these lists of crazy names, which I badly pronounce. All sorts of people from all sorts of different places um, building their bit. That's, that's pretty much what that whole chapter is. These people built this bit. And these people that built this bit. And other than the nobles of Tekoa, whoever they were, who wouldn't put their shoulders to work, everyone, um, everyone took their part. Everyone did their bit. There's a bit later on where there's um, a, a Uziel, who's a goldsmith, and Hannah, who's a perfume maker, building the wall. And there's no sense of, you know, Hannah saying, I'm a perfume maker, kind of bricklaying is, it's not my gifting, it's not my calling, it's not my passion, you know, I just want to make perfume. Uh, Like, everyone did it. Even their guy called Shalem, later on, who was the ruler of a whole half district of Jerusalem. So kind of, again, pretty significant, pretty high up guy. No sense of saying, actually, a brickie is really beneath me. No, thank you. There's this amazing picture of Nehemiah being able to come back and call a whole group of people to take their part everybody did their bit they did the bit of the wall that was in front of them and probably some of them was a longer stretch others was the short bit but everybody did their bit um, and I think that's an amazing picture of church I think it's an amazing picture of family actually that for all of us you know whether um, whether there are things that you are doing in your other world as like a perfume maker or a goldsmith or whatever it is but actually knowing you know what but there's something I need to put my shoulder to and not being like those people who won't who won't do that because the deal is um like we're doing this for something much bigger than ourselves um it's it's not just what we're building it's what are we being built into because you know in that like we've talked about it a lot but you know the picture is it's living stones. It's you and I being built into a building. It's not just bricks and mortar. That's the picture in Nehemiah, but it's different for us. And Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, 
The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Like That's the high call. That's what the kind of challenge to put your shoulder to something is to be built into something where God would actually dwell, which is amazing. Like He dwells in each one of us individually, but there's something about God dwelling in a corporate body of people which is amazing and should be stunning, should be beautiful. There's a bit in... Um, in the Old Testament, so Solomon, David's son, got to build a temple, a permanent temple where God could dwell. And um, there's a bit in 2 Chronicles 2 where Solomon's kind of, his aim and his vision, his desire is this. He says, this must be a magnificent temple because our God is the greatest, simply put. Um, and then in Haggai 2, there's a, when the prophet says that actually the glory of the latter house would be greater than the glory of the former house. And if you read in the Old Testament, like the temple that Solomon built was crazy out there, opulent, extravagant. It was magnificent in every way. Um, but listen, for you and I now, as the temple of living God, actually the glory should be greater, should be greater than it was back then. Um, and so that, like, that's the call, that's the vision, is listen, we're not just you know, building a structure or some sort of social group. or like it, it's, it's for something phenomenally precious and powerful and beautiful and significant that goes way beyond me as an individual. It actually goes way beyond us as a group of people and it goes way beyond my lifetime. It goes way beyond my kids' lifetime. There's something of such eternal significance and value um, and it's so precious that it's like, do you know what, it's, which is why, you know, it's, there's, there's, we don't need another vision, like that's enough to give the whole of the rest of our lives to gladly, thankfully, gosh, to be those chosen and called by God to be his temple. What a privilege but it needs each of us to say, what's the bit of the wall in front of me right now? And how can I build that the best way I can? I've been thinking about this a little bit um, in the realms of, of cathedrals. And, you know, when cathedrals were built, they, there was a vision behind that to, to demonstrate at some level the grandeur and glory of God. And uh, when I think and I look, like literally I'm, I'm looking at a cathedral of people. Like I believe that this church, when we put the, the cathedral of your life on display in front of your friends, in front of your neighbors, when you get to demonstrate the glorious nature of God, which is on your life to those around you, that actually you will point people to an incredible creator. And at some level, you know, we are obviously, and we'll talk about this <clears throat> later on, but we are in a year of preparing for our own building. But listen, when we think about facilities, they are simply there to do that. They're simply there to facilitate. Facilities, they facilitate. You know, we're not placing a grand vision on a building that, that, that people will look at and say, wow, that's an amazing building. I want to put you on display to our city because I think when people see you and Christ in you, who is the very hope of glory, they will discover something about who God is and will be pulled into a relationship with him because they have come into contact with you. You are the glorious cathedral of this city. And so I want to encourage you in that. <clears throat> One of the things that Sarah and I were talking towards the end of this year is as much as we're, we're, we're encouraging you and again, probably calling you again to come and, and build this house with us, build this family with us, be part of building this community. You all are so valuable. There is not one higher or one lesser. One of the things we've probably been a little bit remiss in, thank you so much. One of the things we've been a little bit remiss in is probably communicating some of the way that we're structured. Um, and I think structure is helpful. You know, when you, when this wall was being built, what, what didn't happen is there wasn't just like 
bricks thrown around with the hope and aim that it would somehow uh, form itself into a wall. I'm a firm believer in vision and structure and and, um, strategy. I'm not of the opinion that more weird, more Holy Spirit means more chaos and carnage. I think that God's asked us to be really strategic in his call and vision as we build family, as we reach our city. But we've probably not communicated a little bit about how we're structured as a community to you. So we, I want to share a little bit of that just practically. And before we move on to a couple of really specific things, we feel like the Lord's uh, challenging us and asking us to cultivate this year. So actually, our... our our church structure, there may well be an image. John, did we get something? So there'll be a, something you can see on screen. But there are five kind of spheres of leadership in our community, five um, areas of leadership that help our community function well, help us build healthily. And the first is this, that um, we have a, an amazing small group of people that are a, a senior leadership team. And those people are Santino and Emma Hamberisans just come moved to San Emma just moved from Hastings and joined the staff team. Uh, James and Helen, uh, who've been around for a long time, James and Helen Torrey. Uh, Mark and Sarah Lawrence are also on that team. And, and Sarah and I lead that senior team. And really that senior team's there really to steward the vision and values of the church, to, to lean in and strategically steward the vision and values of the church. Outside of that, we have an amazing group of trustees, and they uh, they serve our community beautifully when it comes to overseeing uh, the financial responsibilities and legal obligations that we have as a as a charitable organisation. Um, Andy Hill, Justin Gibbs, and Sally Pearson, who's just uh, they as a family, the Pearsons have just moved down south, and so we'll be looking to bring some more trustees in in due course. But again, I, I'm on the I'm chair of trustees, and it's just the way that I get to lead that group uh, as they oversee the finances and legals. We have a group of amazing City Hub leaders and these guys are awesome because what they set their uh, shoulder towards is building connection and community. You know, we see our city hubs as, a, as, as the gateway into community that you could meet in smaller groups of people to find friendships and find places where you can build the kind of relationships that God will use to strengthen you and build you up and encourage you. And our City Hub leaders do an amazing job at setting the vision and values of our church in community and helping us create space for people to make connection and build community. We have, we have ministry leaders, and some of those guys are on staff, and some of them aren't, and they practically outwork some of the vision and values in specific areas of ministry. I think about some of the guys, Andy, who's just taken over, really pulling the team of, of people together, uh, serving uh, the guys who are homeless in Manchester, really considering how we as a church love and serve those most vulnerable in our city. And there are others. There are um, Ralph, who does an amazing job on staff, both here locally, uh, building our community of students students, but also nationally. I don't know how many of you realize this, but last September we launched um, six Campus Awakening hubs across the UK and Europe. And by next September, we, uh, we plan and we feel like the Lord's asking us to plant another 20 uh, Campus Awakening hubs across uh, university campuses all across the UK and Europe. It's amazing what God is doing. There's a new revival movement happening amongst students, and we're right at the very heart of what God's doing with that alongside people like Fusion and 24-7. So Ralph does an amazing job at leading that. And there's so many more of you that, that, that lead in, in, in areas of serving and in areas of ministry in our community. And we're so thankful that there are leaders that will say, hey, we'll go out in front and we'll gather others to come and be a part of this amazing adventure of serving Jesus together. And um, 
Finally, there's one other sphere of leadership, and that is an external area of leadership, and that is, um, that is our oversight. And Jesus' culture has, over the last five years, been a, a, a beautiful family friend to us, and they have come alongside and strengthened us and encouraged us and challenged us and corrected us. And, done, and, and Banning, um, who leads Jesus' culture, leads the movement of Jesus' culture in the U.S., um, um, but also pastors the church in Sacramento. He takes time every couple of weeks and we jump on a Skype and he's been so helpful to really lean into supporting Sarah and I as we lead this church together. And so they give us oversight. They give us encouragement. Uh, they give us strength. And importantly, in this amazing adventure, they give us friendship. How many of you realize the great adventure of, of serving and loving Jesus, that, that he gives us the gift of friendship alongside that, that we get to do this with friends, people that we love, brothers and sisters. And so we find that in Jesus' culture as well. But I want to focus in, that's practically, those are the kind of five spheres of leadership you'd find here in Vine Life. And I just, we just felt like at the end of last year, it'd be really good to articulate that because we've probably not done that. It's not up on our website. We don't talk about it every week. Um, but it's important for you guys to know, like, how, what's, the, what's the infrastructure that kind of family gets held together around? And that's where, we, that's where we're at with that. But I want to talk about two things, and I'll, I'll touch on one briefly, and, and Sarah will touch on the other. But we felt like coming, in, coming into this year, and in fact, as a, as a team of people, we met... Um, towards the end of last year, and Banning actually was around at the time, and the conversation began to circle around two very unique things for this coming season, and those two things are this, that God would want to give us two gifts, and if you want to write down anything and hold on to it for the next year, or the rest of your life, no pressure, um, it would be these two things. We believe that God is, is giving us a, a gift of faith for salvation. That God is stirring our hearts to give us a gift of faith for salvation. The second thing we believe that God is, is encouraging us into and giving us a gift of is a gift of hunger. That this year would be marked by a, a, an increase in, in our hunger. And, I, and I'm excited to be unpacking that because I, uh, unlike, any, unlike any gift that you might be ever received, that there's a great part that I get to play in this gift of hunger, in that I get to be part of stimulating and stirring up um, this gift of hunger. But at the same time, I believe that God wants to give us as a church family a unique gift of hunger. But I want, I want to just for a couple of seconds just um, talk about um, having a faith for salvation. How many of you would maybe look at your own life and say that the area of evangelism or, or maybe even carrying a faith for people around you to get saved is at an all-time low? Okay, no one's prepared to be. I would say for me, thank you for the one person that was honest in the room, for me, I am now beginning to only just turn a corner to have faith for salvation. Let, let me be honest with you. Uh, there are... Uh, there are Partly for me, the issue is, is that, um, that um, outside of maybe just a couple of staff members, everyone else loves the Lord. That's a joke, by the way. Everyone on our staff team is a Christian. But one of the challenges of, 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 of being in ministry is that there are, very, there are very few interactions that I get to have on a daily, consistent, relational basis with people that don't know Jesus. And I, I, I want to make the commitment to you that, that that's, that's about to change for me personally. But as I look around this room, I know that there are every single one of you um, will have relationships and connections at some level with people that don't yet know Jesus. 
And that actually the lifeline between their eternal uh, salvation and their restoration into relationship with the Father who loves them, the, the lifeline to them is you. It's you. And part, I think, of, of starting the journey to receive this gift of faith for salvation is realizing, like, I'm it. There is no plan B around the corner for my friends to come to know Jesus. There's no, uh, there's no plan B. It's me. And part of that beginning, that journey, is actually beginning to understand one of the ways in which Jesus, in fact, God describes us in Scripture. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, um, I'll read it to you. It says this, um, verse 14 to 21, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun, and all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task, he's entrusted a task to us to reconcile people to him, to bring people back to him. For God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Here's the important bit. So we are Christ's ambassadors. It's not we're becoming, we're we are. This is an issue of your identity. It's an issue of my identity. This is who we've become. We are Christ's ambassadors. I'm literally trying to scroll up a piece of paper here. <laughs> I just caught myself doing that and I'm in trouble. Stop scrolling a piece of paper. <laughs> we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. There's no other lifeline to the people that don't know Jesus yet than you or me. He's making his appeal. He's made his plan and his strategy very, very clear. He's placed an identity on you and he's placed a task and he's placed uh, an encouragement to you, which is that you get to be the people that make his appeal. That God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. We speak on behalf of Christ, the one who transformed my life, the one who transformed your life. We speak on his behalf when we say, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There is this, um, this beautiful identity that resides around your life and it is that you're an ambassador and what comes with that identity is a very defined task and that is to be the one who redeems those that are lost back into relationship with the father the very incredible transformation the very extravagant love that you encountered when you said yes to what Jesus did on the cross you now become a partner with Christ to bring back those who are far from him. That's what an ambassador is. If you think about even just the, the description of what an ambassador is, this is what the Oxford English Dictionary says. It says, it's a diplomat, an official of the highest rank, sent, on one, uh, sent by one sovereign or state to another in its resident representative. So you are of highest rank. You know, before anything else, you're a son and a daughter. But what defines your identity as a daughter is that actually you're on a mission. And that mission is that you're an ambassador. And being an ambassador is that you, uh, is an expression of your identity. But the second thing is that you are sent from one sovereign state to another. 
The reality is that when you got born again, you are now a citizen of heaven. You have a very different passport, and it says eternity on the front of it. You're a citizen of heaven, but you have been sent. As an ambassador, you've been sent to Manchester, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your workplace. You're sent to bring all of those back to him. The other amazing thing about being an ambassador is, is, that, is that you're a resident. You're involved. You know, ambassadors, they're not just visitors to a country. They're not just uh, on holiday in a country. They are sent to come and immerse themselves in the culture, to come and make a dwelling, to become a, a committed member of that society. And, and you guys show up, and that's why we have Our Church, My Story, because it, it tells a story about the different unique ways and places and spaces that you occupy in which you're sent to come and dwell. But ultimately... In being sent, you're a representative. Like that's the, that's the assignment that's over your life. You're a representative. You're an ambassador. Everywhere you go, you have a purpose to act on God's behalf, to make earth look more like heaven and to bring the beauty of the transforming work of Jesus into the reality of people's lives. Like this is the call on our lives and this is what God is giving us faith for this year. And we're going to pray towards the end of this morning because, because I want us to receive that faith. This is something that I want for us to open up our hands to say, God, would you give us a gift of faith? No matter where you're at in the journey, whether this morning you've got a faithful Manchester to be saved, or whether right now you're struggling to even open up to your neighbor who you've got 10 years plus of a relationship with, wherever you're at in that scale, God wants to come and deposit a new faith for salvation here with us this morning. Yeah, I think the, the other the other thing that you know Banny said was his gift of hunger, which kind of sounds like it was, doesn't sound like a great gift, um, but but actually, like hunger is a really good motivator, isn't it? Like when you're hungry, actually, it moves you to do stuff. Um, but I think there's two things: there's like there's receiving it as a gift, but that doesn't mean then we're kind of it's not just that we sit there passively and. God, make me hungry if you want to. Like, there is something for us to do in terms of cultivating that and stewarding that and, and looking after that. And, you know, I think the Bible is absolutely full of promises um, for those who are hungry, who are seeking God, who are asking. Like, the, it's full of promises that actually the hungry will be filled. You know, and if you ask, you'll receive, you seek, you'll find. It. It's there all the time. And, and David, particularly in the Psalms, there's so many of his Psalms where he's expressing and demonstrating hunger. And, and um, David, you know, God said about David that he was a man after God's own heart. So God obviously really highly values hunger and he obviously responds he faithfully, promises to faithfully respond to hunger. And, you know, we've used this verse a lot, 2 Chronicles 16, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those, strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. So like being fully committed, being, you know, passionately pursuing God, being hungry for him um, is something that's important. It's valuable to God and it it's somewhere it, it moves God is what you know. This seems to be the picture the Bible gives us. Um, but I, but I was thinking about that aspect, and like that that totally makes sense, and I get that. So if at the point where I'm hungry, God's going to respond. But how do I get from maybe where I am right now, which is a bit meh, I'm, you know, that'll do. I'm all right. Not that bothered. Not that hungry. Um, which we can get. Like we can get apathetic. We can get familiar. We can get kind of distracted or kind of busy with other stuff, and just think. Actually, if I'm really honest, am I hungry for God? Am I hungry to see his kingdom? Well, I don't know if I am. So how do we, you know, being hungry, there's a promise that will be filled, but how do we get hungry? Um, and so this is, you know, one of the things is actually God is saying, I want to give you a gift of hunger. So the first part is, um, 
Actually, it almost it takes God to want God. It takes God to know God. It, there, there is something, you know, God is always a great initiator, which I love. Um, but actually, there is, there is something on us as well. Um, so I think a good place is, is to, you know, one of the things I, I prayed lots over the years and I kind of come back to is, you know, we're, you know, we have all, you know, all songs and, and, but, you know, God, I need you, I want you. And, you know, when you're in those days when I'm singing, I'm like, I don't know if that's really where I'm at. And I kind of feel like I have to pray from one step back, which is, God, I want to want you. I don't want you enough right now, but I want to. I want to get there. Or, God, I need to need you more. Cause I, and it's like actually recognizing, actually, I need to get hungry. If I'm not now, I need to get hungry. And, and there's this, these two twin truths we have to hold on to um, is that... Um, we are in, you know, where Sarah landed worship so beautifully. We're absolutely in need of God. And it's not the way to have a sort of poverty mindset and, you know, poor, miserable me. I have no, like, we're not, like, we're, we're not orphans, we're heirs. But, um, you know, Jesus is really clear in that when he's talking in the Last Supper um, about the whole, you know, abiding and, and being him being the vine. And actually is that apart from him, we can do nothing. Like, there, there is this whole, actually, and in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's not about having a poverty mindset. One of the other translations, um, I think it's the New Living, says, blessed are those who recognize their need for God. And listen, that never goes away. Actually, I need him more now, 32 years after being a Christian, than I ever have. Um, and I know that's going to be an ongoing thing. And so there's this one hand, apart from him, we can do nothing. And actually, we're bankrupt without him. And yet... Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I'm a co-heir with Christ. So they're these two really kind of strangely conflicting truths. Apart from him, we can do nothing, and we're bankrupt. With him, we can do anything, and we're millionaires. It, there's, this, there's this kind of fun, funny dynamic. And so, honestly, I think, it's, and we may, we may take some time, we think, later in the year to kind of actually, what, is, what does it look like to kind of get hungry and really go after God? And, um, but like Phil said with the whole, you know, wherever you're at in that, Faith for salvation, wherever you're at on that, am I hungry for God? Um, listen, be all right with where you're at, but don't settle for staying there. I think that's always a good, pretty good premise. Um, and actually, a good place to start is say, God, would you help me get hungry? God, I want to want you more. I need to need you more. And I need you to kind of come and help me with that. I've, um, I've been in Psalm 86 um, since Christmas, really. I love it. That um, You know, just sudden, suddenly you read something, you're like, this is just where I need to sit for a while. And there's this verse, Psalm 86, verse 11 says this, um, which is kind of, I think it's a good prayer to start pretty much any day with, but a new year, but to start every day is, God, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And honestly, that's been my prayer for, you know, certainly the first few weeks of this year. God, give me an undivided heart. It's so easy to get apathetic. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get discouraged um, and, and just actually for our hearts to become divided and actually are kind of where we're, where we're heading the resource of our time, our energy, our money, our prayer, is actually, it's, it's got a bit divided. And so kind of a, a good place to come back to is, God, would you give me an undivided heart that I would be hungry, that I would want to pursue you? Um, God, show me things where I'm, where I'm snacking. You know, actually kind of that, if you're constantly grazing throughout the day, you never get hungry. Actually, what are the things that um, I'm filling my time, my energy with whether that's social media, whether that's shopping, whether I don't, I don't know what. What am I snacking not shopping. on? Shopping, you never go. I know shopping. I don't shop. You shop. Um, what do I get distracted by? Actually, um, that mean I'm not, I'm not hungry, or I'm not hungry enough. You know, that's one of the real values in fasting. I hate fasting. Really hate it. But um, 
I'm convinced that's going to be an important part of her journey this year, and I'm really sorry for that. But when um, at the Jesus Coach Conference, you know, Lou Engel as a man who has fasted and prayed for decades, and you're like, this guy's the real, there's something about him that you're like, and, and kind of, and then Banning shared with us, the senior team, you know, actually, I feel like God wants to give you the gift of hunger. And my heart sank, so I'm like, I know that means fasting. I know it means fasting, and I hate it. Um, but it's a really, and it's not that we fast to kind of manipulate or kind of twist God's arm, or, but it's, it's about stripping things away to say, God, it reminds me, I'm so desperately in need of God. Um, and it's stripping other things away. And, for, you know, so even like, you know, first Friday, actually, in fasting and I did food and I did Facebook. So I'm like, it's such a waste of time and it can so consume. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was such a good day just to be kind of like, just put that stuff aside and, and just keep coming back. Simple prayers. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it's like, God, give me an undivided heart. Help me get hungry. Um, and it'll probably look different for you than it does for me. And that is fine. Um, but but I, that, is, that I think is, is what we want for to be um, the internal motivator for this year. Like we... We desperately don't want to be um, and are committed to not be leaders who are looking to control and exert heavy pressure from the outside. Like, I don't think that's maturity, um, you know, is for you to be doing things purely on the basis of external pressure. Like, you start off with that with your kids when they're little, sticker charts. But, you know, gosh, I don't really need to be giving you guys sticker charts. Like, you're, you're mature now. And so there needs to be something that is an internal motivator that is, listen, I need to be responsible for my walk with the Lord. I need to be responsible for me getting hungry for God. I need to be responsible for what God's asking me to build. And so I don't want this year to be constant external reminders, encouragement, pressure from Phil or I or anybody else. I want us to say, God, would you come and do something in me where I am internally motivated to take responsibility for my hunger, my commitment, my obedience, my sacrifice. And it starts with this prayer, God, give me an undivided heart. Strip away the stuff that distracts and, and splits my attention um, because God, I, and, and believe, actually, I want to have a healthy hunger for God and for his kingdom. And the thing is, I can't do that for you. I can only do that for me. Um, so that, that's, that's for each of us to take individual responsibility for. So I guess it's, it's receiving a gift, but then it's, it's unpacking it and using it. Um, not just kind of, oh, that's nice, popping it on a shelf. Actually, what are we going to do with those two gifts that God's, um, God's giving us this year? I just can't get out of my head doing a, like a sticker chart for the whole church. It'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Um, we want to pray in just a second because uh, I really feel like what God wants to do is not just words from Sarah and I, but is to impart something uh, of these gifts to us, to every single one of us. And, you know, listen, I, I'm asking you, I'm calling you, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm saying, hey, would you come and create and build with Sarah and I? Would you come and build the very best family that we can, young and old, new and established? Can they? Could they all find a home with us? Could we build something... Uh, so beautiful on what is already so glorious here. Would you come and do that with us? That's what I'm asking. And in the midst of that, I want to ask that God would come and he would deposit a gift of faith for salvation and he would take us on a beautiful journey of getting really hungry for him, that he would give us that gift of hunger. So if that's you and you want that and you want to say yes and you want to respond to that this morning, would you stand with me and we just want to pray as we close out this morning.
you may want to do this just as you've responded, just to open up your hands. There's, there's nothing super spiritual about it. It's almost just saying, I'm putting my body in a posture of saying, I'm open to what you want to give me this morning, God. So, Father, I thank you for the, the beauty of this family. Mm. God, that we would, uh, we would say that we're so excited to be part of this community, that we would lay our lives down to serve and love this beautiful family of people that are on an incredible mission to see this city transformed, to see lives, to see friends, family, workmates, neighbors come to know the incredible power of Jesus in their lives, that as ambassadors, as sons and daughters, that there's a mark on each one of our lives that says we get to call home those that are lost. So in this moment, God, we ask, would you come and give us a faith, a gift of faith this morning to believe that we will see young and old, our neighbours, our colleagues, those that we've actually prayed for for many, many years come home this year. We're asking, God, that you give us an incredible faith to believe that, God, you would move through our lives. And Father, we partner with that gift of faith and we give you our lives. We say we lay down our, our fear, we lay down our anxiety, we take up boldness and the conviction of the gospel to say that we will live for you, that we will speak for you, that we will act for you, that we will stand in the gap between people's lives and their eternal destination and the chance to come home chance to come home and we say that we're the ones there's no plan b i look at our hands i look at these lives and i say there's no plan b it's us so father would you fill our lives whatever state we find ourselves in would you fill us with a hunger would you fill us with a faith for salvation that would mark our lives not just for this year but for the rest of our lives yeah god and we want to um we want to start this year, Lord, we want to start every day with saying, um, Jesus, we need you. God, we, we recognize our absolute need for you, our absolute dependence on you. Um, and God, I ask for each one of us that you'd help us to get hungry. Father, we want to say that we, we recognize we need to need you more. God, we want to. Lord, we want to want you more. So, I, um, God, we, yeah, we just say yes. We receive that gift of hunger. And God, you help us to, um, help us to unpack that. Um, but yeah, Lord, I want to thank you just for that amazing promise um, that now the weak can say I'm strong, and now the orphans can say I'm home, now the poor can say I'm rich. Thank you, God, that that's, that's who we are now. God, thank you that, um, so we recognize while apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing, but in you and you in us, we can do all things. We can see salvation. We can see us be, step more into being that glorious temple that you're calling us to be and so father for each one of us come and internally motivate us god come and show us god what does my bit look like god show me my bit of the wall if that's two bricks on top of each other amazing if that's a three mile stretch amazing but god we look we want to do our part because we want to we want to be and we want to build something that so honors you jesus because you're so worthy yeah so father we just commit to saying um, that we need you we want you and we want to take our place so Holy Spirit, would you come and do what only you can do? Thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to hype this up from the outside. We don't have to um, submit to any pressure from anywhere else. But Holy Spirit, we just say, yes, come and do that in me. Yeah. We ask for more of you, Holy Spirit. We need and we want more of you. So we ask that you'd come.
would you do this for me? Just uh, in little small groups, maybe one, uh, couples, and a few people around each other, just begin to pray for one another. Just take two minutes just to pray for one another for these two things. Just pray that blessing of that gift of faith and that gift of hunger. And then the second thing I want you to do is straight after you're done praying with somebody, Go and find someone you've never met before. Take out your diary or your iPhone. Book a time to invite them around to come and uh, hang out with you. Invite. Make sure you don't leave here this morning without inviting someone around to your house for a meal. Other than that, stick around for some refreshments and have an amazing time this week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Prayer team. Do make yourself available if anyone would like some prayer this morning. If the things that you'd like someone to stand with you and pray with you if you're sick or you just would love someone just to stand with you and pray with you, the prayer team will be more than happy to stand with you and pray with you. Bless you guys.